y'all. Welcome to Fem Fandom, the podcast that proves no matter what the fandom, you're not alone. Uh, with me today is Megan. Oh, you called me first and now I don't have anything witty to say. And Fern. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm Kate. And we also have our special guest back with us, Morgan. Hi, I'm Morgan. Yay, Morgan! Yay, Morgan! <laughs> so, last week we had a, or last episode we had a very fun time talking about Why the Last Man and discussing Man, was that also various last things. week? That was last week for us God, recording. Timey-wimey stuff. Dude, this week has been... Wow, it's been a long week. This week has been <laughs> a fucking mess, but it is what it is. Yeah, so last episode, Morgan was here with us talking Why the Last Man and uh, discussing various things from that comic series. Definitely check it out if you haven't yet. But we figured this would be a good time to get to know our dear friend of the podcast here a little bit better. You want to just jump right into it? Or? Yeah, let's do it. All right. <laughs> Solid. I, I love how I'm answering for Morgan. Morgan, are you ready to jump right into it? I'm like, <laughs> I am thrilled to be alive in here. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> in my oh, tiny man. guest bedroom with all of my stuff. Maybe it's a fun room, but... Anyways, all right, well, why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Morgan Pedreza. I am a PhD student at The Ohio State University. I study mainly comics and film there. I also teach undergraduate students. Um, this semester, I'm teaching a class on gender representations of gender and sexuality in comics. And so I spend a lot of my time researching comics, reading comics, writing about comics, teaching about comics, <laughs> just hanging around comics in general. <laughs> But um, I also do a lot of um, research on animation and um, women creators in both animation and in comics. Sweet. Cool. So on the ride over here, you tried to tell me you're not a nerd. Uh, I am the biggest nerd, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you are in good company. <laughs> Sounds like an amazing job, by right? the way. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's actually, it's pretty much um, a dream come true that uh, right now I'm very fortunate that I get paid to do things that I'm very, very interested in and that I'm really passionate about. And I get to share those, my thoughts and questions with um, really amazing people. Also, um, my not only like my professors and my students, but also I have a lot of really amazing, incredible colleagues who are also in my cohort. And so I'm taking classes with them and we're all working together through the PhD process. So it's it's really amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. How did you come to study this? Um, by accident. It was completely by accident. By accident. Before I went to my master's, my partner actually read comics for many years and had an incredible um, single-issue comics collection. And um, he got me into reading comics, and I totally fell in love. I read um, some of the first things I read were Why the Last Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Green Lantern. I read all through like, The Blackest Night, Green Lantern, and was like obsessed. I was very angry about Brightest Day, but <laughs> Blackest Night's amazing. Um, and so... I had started kind of reading and collecting on my own. And then um, when I went to my master's program, I had originally thought that I would be working on horror and women in horror. But while I was there, I was very fortunate that I got to meet and work with an incredible professor um, of comics. Her name is Hilary Chute. And I learned that you can actually make a career out of studying comics. So when I um, had to start developing my master's thesis, I worked with Dr. Chute to um, actually develop something working on comics. And that was the first time that I had ever started reading any comics theory or reading about the history of comics or thinking about comics kind of in a 
a more analytical way. And so when I started looking at PhD programs, I really wanted to continue doing that kind of work. And so I looked specifically for programs that had people working in comics and um, programs that supported comic studies. And it just has kind of accelerated. Now I just like am obsessed. <laughs> I'm like constantly trying to get everyone I know to read comics and to write about <laughs> comics. I am constantly telling my my friends and peers in the program that they should write more about comics and inviting them to come to comics conferences with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was kind of an accident that has snowballed into Mm, hopefully a career, maybe. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. So you're, you're going for your PhD, you said? So you can be a doctor of comics? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> well, technically my, um, so I work in the Department of English, so my PhD will say PhD in English, um, which is uh, not as cool. Yeah. Okay. No. I just, but, I'm like, I'm thinking in movies, you know, how they're like, is there a doctor? Is there a doctor? You'll be like, I'm a doctor. But of comics. I don't know. I can't help, but, you know. But you asked. But so. you asked if there was a doctor in technically. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you when, you, get, when you get your PhD, I'm going to make you, like, a name plaque that yes. says, Dr. Morgan Padreza, PhD, CMX. <laughs> that will make me cry. You're and welcome. I will be very happy. <laughs> so just get ready. Just get the tissues. So you've read a ton of comics and whatnot. Do you have a favorite or, like, a favorite style or genre? I definitely don't have one favorite comic, but I have a lot of things that I love a lot. Um, I really am drawn to comics that use interesting like materials um, for their art. So um, one of my most beloved favorite um, comics creators. Her name is Linda Berry, and she does a lot of like collaging. And she also works with um, like ink and watercolor and interesting materials. She did this really incredible book called 100 Demons that um, investigates kind of trauma and like the nature of autobiography and fiction. And um, she uses like photographs from her childhood. She uses things like pipe cleaners. She puts glitter um, cool. Some of it's painted, some of it's like clipped. It's like really incredible and it's all these different layers. So um, that's like one of my favorite types of comics. And she is a really amazing example, example of an artist who's working in that way. But I also really like comics that use like watercolor. And so my um, master's thesis was investigation of these two comics that both use really beautiful watercolor. Um, one of them is Jeff Lemire and um, Jose Villaruba's Trillium. And that comic's really interesting because it like all the structure, the structures of the comic change in every issue. So sometimes you read it like a normal comic, like front to back from left to right. Other times it, you have to read things upside down or sideways or things are flipping back and forth. And you have to turn the comic in all these different ways. And then um, the other comic is Matt Kent's Mind Management, which also uses a lot of really beautiful watercolor and does a lot of really cool structural things. It has like, it's a bit like an, a spy espionage story. Hmm. So it has all these like files and notes on the side and like secret codes and stuff like that. So I also really like comics that do weird stuff mm -hmm. and are really interactive in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. And then one of my like top, of all time comics is Bitch Planet by Kelly D. Sikonik and Valentin DeLandro, which is this amazing um, comic about um, women who are sent to a another planet, which is a prison planet, and they're sent there when they're deemed non-compliant. And they can be deemed non-compliant for anything from their sexual orientation to their visual presentation to their gender identity, simply like not submitting to the sexual will of their husbands or 
not performing in the way that the patriarchal structure expects them. So they get sent to this like prison planet. And then um, there's a television show portion of it where they actually televise to Earth these women like fighting each other. They have they invent like the sport where they have to like fight. So that's cool. Yeah, that's like a number one recommend. I have just finished teaching that to my class. I'm just gonna um, add that to my show. I was actually thinking, like, maybe I should be taking quick, notes yeah. and, like, putting all this stuff down <laughs> the notes because I need new comics to read. Yeah, something that's actually interesting about that series, too, Bitch Planet, is that there's a lot of really awesome, like, extras packed into the single issues. So they have, like, essays in the back about, like, feminism and gender in, like, today's terms. Um, they also have, like, an incredible fan presence. So they have, like, pictures of people with, like, ta- non-compliant tattoos and in cosplay. And, like, they um, reproduce, like, a bunch of the tweets that people have responded while they were reading. Um, the series is over now, but all of that kind of, like, other documents show that how, like, people are interacting with it. And people, like, really are identify really strongly with the series. And it's cool that they include all that material. Yeah, they yeah. do that at the end of um, Rat Queen and Saga as well, and it's also one of my favorite things, especially Rat Queens going and seeing the amazing cosplays mm-hmm. that people have done of some of the characters from Rat Queens. I never, I will never have that much talent in my life. They are some of those things are just incredible. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. I love, I love seeing that and get seeing the community interaction, and then having questions that are answered directly from the creators. I also think is really cool. So. Definitely. I love, that's something that I've been loving because I'm fairly new to the, the comic graphic novel medium uh, form of art and whatnot. Like, I never really got into that as a kid and then recently I've started reading it, but I've been loving seeing the way that the community built around each of them seems to be very, um, especially with like the independent ones, um, seems to be very tight knit and kind of cool. Or it's like, yeah, that's neat. I do have to put a little brag because it's like one of my favorite personal like nerd moments. I have two letters published in Paper Girls, which was like the most excited. I was like more excited to see my name in Paper Girls than when I got like my name with my thesis, my master's (laughs) thesis. (laughs) I started reading Paper Girls recently, so I'm going to have to look for your letters now. That's one of them that you teach, right? Yeah, I teach Paper Girls also. That's a Brian K. Vaughn um, series as well, who, right. uh, you know, he also wrote Saga. He wrote Why the Last Man. Paper Girls is incredible. It's this, like, sci-fi adventure about these, like, young women um, going through time and space and, like, in the middle of this, like, uh, battle across time kind of thing. Um, it's very weird. Like, I've only read the first two trades. And I'm just like, I'm still not 100% sure what's going on here, but I'm very interested. <laughs> Yeah, so my students and I talk a lot about, like, how girlhood is represented in those comics and um, how, like, um, adolescent or, like, new kind of sexuality is explored um, there. But we also talk about how, um, you know, you have a comic written and illustrated by men that's about young women. Mm -hmm. So we talk about kind of the the creator-content relationship with that book, too. That's cool. I know we talked about that a little bit. With think, why. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. So we don't really have to go into that because I think we exhausted that at least. Listen to Why the Last Man episode if you want to know more. Yes, please do. <laughs> it's a, it was a fun one to record. Yeah. It was. That was a blast. <laughs> we sat here for a long time it was talking. A long, <laughs> that might end up being two episodes if I remember right because yeah. it was long. I have a lot of editing to do. <laughs> Good God. 
<laughs> we love making content a little too much. I think we just have so many ideas and thoughts and we just want to make sure everything gets out there because mm. you know you never know who else has the same idea or thought but is unsure if they they have somebody like-minded mm. so when you're able to get your ideas out there then other people are feel more comfortable sharing their ideas and mm. and so hopefully you know it starts conversations so but i think we just have so many things to say <laughs> yeah that's actually like um as a comic scholar, um, one of the biggest struggles is working on um, a really long-running series or something that's continuously running because it's hard to kind of wrangle like in like sixty issues, right? Why the Last Man sixty issues? Like, how do you create like a targeted, easily digestible like for mm. in my case like an article right about sixty issues of yeah. a comic which yeah. has like so many different things going on and so many really interesting and incredible aspects it's hard yeah mm-hmm. for sure it's hard to like also be able to dive into things that we want to dive into but stay surface on the things that we just kind of like we need to mention this but let's keep moving you know and it's kind of hard to find that balance of that and i can only imagine it's even worse for writing because you have a limited amount of page space mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah well it's nice because i have again like i said a lot of really amazing people that i get to um spend time with and share ideas with and they're the people who always tell me like um you can just cut these three pages <laughs> which <laughs> hurts get rid of them. it hurts so much because i'm like but there's i thought they were good <laughs> i spent like two weeks writing those pages and but they okay. are but that's uh, central to what you're trying to yeah that's what we it's call hard. our bloopers <laughs> So we talked about your favorites. Do you have any other recommendations beyond your favorites? Like maybe things that are, you're reading now or good jumping on points for people who want to read more in line with? And not, I mean, I, I guess it could be superhero comics, but yeah, it doesn't no, necessarily have to be. Yeah. I think those are out there so much that when people think comics, they think Superman, Batman, you know, and those guys, yeah. and they don't see all the other cool stuff. I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to discuss Why the Last Man, because we did some superhero movies, and we specifically didn't go into the comics when we talked about the movies, because, oh my god, those episodes would have been way longer than they already were, had we gone into the history of, and the comic versions, yeah. and blah blah blah, we stuck strictly to the movies. So, like, doing Why the Last Man is one of our first comic runs, I think, was kind of important for us to show that, like, there's a world in comics that isn't just superheroes, there's kind of a comic for everybody, and I think that people don't realize that when they're looking at comics as a genre. Well, and the other thing is that with superheroes, they've all been going so long that mm-hmm. it's super fucking intimidating oh, yeah. to try and jump in. Like, I I started reading comics with stuff that wasn't superheroes, even though I love them, because I was like, I don't even know where to start. I still don't read most superhero comics, to be quite honest. I read Captain Marvel. hard. Captain Marvel just recently did a reboot. Right. Though. And that's that, why that I read that was an easy jumping one. on point. But it's hard. Like... I read, usually what I end up reading is, like, they get done with an arc, and then I read the trades of whatever that arc was. So, like, the killing joke for Batman, Mm -hmm. or stuff like that. Like, I'll go back and read those kind of big story arcs that are kind of, like, what most people who who think about those superheroes are like, this is kind of quintessential to their story. This is kind of, like, the story when you think about these characters. I'll do more of that than keep up on current stuff. Especially with, like, DC's been real weird lately with New 52 and then doing the, um, uh, it, it wasn't Crisis on Infinite Earths. So that's a different one. Uh, no, what was Infinite it called? Crisis. Was it Infinite Crisis? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's, 
different. Crisis on Infinite Earths was back in the eighties, right? That's why I was like, I know it wasn't Crisis on Infinite Earths, but well, they've remember. they've done retcon reboots like three oh, times sure. since. Then, so. Yeah, and that's why like I really like DC Comics, but I have a hard time reading them because I did not like New Fifty Two. And then I don't think very many people liked the new Fifty Two. That's why they did like what ten? I think ten comics for each character, and then they were like, "Oh, I think never mind." Was it only ten? Yeah, it wasn't very many. Yeah, and then they they, and then they were like, "Oh, we're getting backlash for this," and they were like, "Okay, never mind." And then they Rebirth, I think, is the Rebirth is the new one. Yeah, Yeah. but it's still not. It's still not great. Yeah. Although there was one really good Batman comic that came out in the New 52, in the Court of the Owls thing. When you were talking about comics that move, I was thinking of that comic because I was like, that's one of my favorite comics that I've ever read. Because Batman gets put into this, like, Court of the Owls, like, funhouse insane, like, and he's starting to go crazy. And as you're reading the book, they're making you turn the book to read what's happening. And you're, like, feeling this slow descent into, like, madness that he's getting. And I, when you were describing that in another comic that you were talking about, I was like, well, it reminds me of this. And that was really cool to read. So now I want to read more things like this because that was so neat. One good thing that came out of the New 52. <laughs> but then they completely ignored the Court of the Owls. I was like, this was a really cool thing you did. And then you just... They were just gone. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of scholarship on, um, like, superhero comics because mm-hmm. they are so prolific. And people love them. And they're really interesting um, to think about, like, tropes and archetypes, especially across time, how, you know, um, different historical contexts change someone like Wonder Woman, for example, who has had so many different iterations. But, yeah, it's really important to just state that um, the superhero genre is just one genre of comics, just like you have genres in any other medium. So, um, you know, in film, you have noir, you have noir comics. In film, you have, like, romance. There's tons of romance comics. There was um, a huge boom of romance comics in, like, the 40s and 50s. And, you know, the gender representations in there are not great. <laughs> but, um, you know, there are, like, an incredible number of, incredible and rich comics that um, have nothing to do with superheroes. And I feel like we're in a moment right now where a lot of um, those other genres are um, gaining a lot more visibility and readership because in part um, comics have become this huge like cultural, they've had a lot of momentum recently with um, all the Marvel movies and the DC movies, but there are other, you know, non superhero comics that have become films recently as well. Oh, yeah. But as far as, like, something other than a superhero genre that I would recommend, um, one of my favorite comics is um, the Moomin comics. Um, And um, those were created by this Swedish-speaking Finnish cartoonist named Tove Jansen. She started in the 1940s, and she created this character, Moomin, who, or Moomin Troll, who looks kind of like a hippopotamus. Mm-hmm. He's got like a nice little round body and the characters are really sweet and it's a really quiet kind of comic in a lot of ways. Um, she also wrote like um, novel versions of these, of these stories. So the comics are just like one portion of the whole kind of universe of the Moomins, but they're very sweet and quiet. And Moomin Troll is like this, just like very quiet nature loving character um, one of my favorite lines ever that Moomin says is, um, I really want to live in peace and plant potatoes and dream. <laughs> and that's all Moomin really wants. It's adorable. <laughs> oh my god, I might be Moomin. <laughs> I love Moomin. There's actually a, um, you know how uh, 
the 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 mobile games like there's been like wizard the wizarding world yeah and then Pokemon Go there's actually a Moomin phone game yeah oh that's cool where you can like go around and it's just you helping your friends with their projects <laughs> so they're like so oh. like Moomin I need help um building my new house will you find some boards for me and you just go around Aww. finding boards for oh the my house God, it's like uh Animal Crossing but like AR and interactive that's adorable that's awesome. Um, so I love, I love those books. Um, Tove Jansen was an incredible creator, um, and very, just a great kind human. And then there's like a, a very, very popular genre right now, um, of autobiographical, autobiographical comics, or people call them autobio comics. And, um, those can explore anything from like gender and sexuality. There's an incredible book out right now called Gender Queer by an artist and writer named Maya Kobebe, I think your last name is. There's also um, this really amazing book by an artist named Una called Becoming Unbecoming that is kind of a documentation and archive of um, sexual and gendered violence against women that is rooted in her own experiences of sexual violence. And so, you know, comics can address like these really intense personal experiences in ways that, you know, other media might have a more difficult time representing. So comics can do everything, right? Like you said um, before, like there are comics for everyone. If you want history comics, there's comics about historical figures. One of my favorites of that genre is by um, an artist named Laura Redness. She did a comic called Radioactive about Marie Curie and the discovery, um, her discoveries. And that's like a beautiful like watercolor collage, um, like graphic tome. There are like, you know, noir comics, there are sci-fi comics, there's romance, there's comedy, there's monsters there. I mean, like literally any kind of content that you're interested in as far as genre and narrative, comics has it. And, you know, superheroes is a great part of that world, but it's just a one part of a much larger um, and very interesting and rich tradition of creation. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm like sitting here adding so many things to my reading list that is already so insanely long. So you are involved in more than just comics and geek culture as well. Um, What other aspects do you find fulfilling for you? Something funny? Where do you find yourself falling in in geek culture? Um, Does that question make sense? I think so. (laughs) What parts of geek culture do you enjoy? What makes you squee? <laughs> um, I like squee very easily. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Lots of things. She truly does make me squee. Um, let's see. Um, I love to play video games. Um, unfortunately, as a PhD student, I don't always get to play all of the things, and so I'm not the most up to date in video games. But I do love them. Uh, right now, I'm replaying um, the original PlayStation Two Kingdom Hearts. Yes. And so um, Kingdom Hearts actually has an incredible people love those games and there's like really great culture around kingdom hearts Mm -hmm. it is also very convoluted though i could not tell you what the story actually is i just know that i hit little shadow things and it's great there's a wiki for that i know and i've tried Um, kingdom hearts kingdom hearts so good so good i so i love horror films so um i think i guess that falls more into like popular culture but i feel like (laughs) That could be, yeah. like, I don't you know, are those a, geeks? You can, yeah, you can be a geek or nerd about anything. Yeah. Being a geek or nerd is just being excited about something to the point where you you squee about it. <laughs> okay. Squee! So, like, technically, those football and baseball and sports mm-hmm. fanatics technically are geeks and nerds about what they are 
nerdy about. Mm-hmm. My mom was a comic <clears throat> teacher, and she gets she squeezed over textiles, and so she would she raised us always saying everyone's a geek about something. You know, mm-hmm. hers is that she's a geek about textiles. Everyone's a geek about something. Mm-hmm. I feel sure. like that's a good tagline for a podcast. Too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So you know that counts. So do you like the the um, like the gory horror or more tension? I love horror. monsters. Okay. okay. Um, I I know that this will be a controversial statement. Um, I am not into any sort of like real life based horror things. Okay, so like Saw. I don't want anything to do with Saw. Okay. Um, I don't like serial killer okay. narratives, especially when they're based on real people. I have lots of academic thoughts about the ethics of those. But also, you know, as a human, I don't like thinking about things that could actually happen to real people. Okay. So monsters okay. and like ghosts, things like okay. that, right. I am like all about so, that. So uh, like the Annabelle with the, the doll and stuff like that? Was I that actually okay? haven't seen any of those okay. movies. All right. Um, Dolls are so creepy, so creepy that I've just been like, just te- <laughs> so just like tell me about that. Movie. <laughs> I'll just like listen it. to it. I love the like eighties, nineties, late seventies like slasher okay. franchises. So um, right now I'm doing um, a lot of research, and also I just have a lot of love for the Halloween franchise, mm-hmm. for example, Friday the Thirteenth kind of stuff, and then like just things with just big monsters. So, like I loved the Babadook. I like. Yeah, anything that's just, like, haunted and creepy and not real. Okay. Did you see the trailer for that new movie with the kid from Stranger Things? Oh, yes. What's it called? I Um, can't remember. It's uh, The Turning. Yes. Okay, yeah. It's based off of... Creepy Kids. Yes, it's based off this amazing, like, uh, black and white film. Okay. That is also really really creepy. And those children are terrifying. Well, yeah. I mean, just the clips of the two kids, like, uh, I forget his name, the kid from Stranger Things. Fit. Oh, I sure. The actor's names is not my favorite. I know, name. same here. It's, uh, but then the other character is this little girl, and, like, she answers the door at one of the trailer scenes, and you're like, oh, it's a little girl, and then, like, like two clips later, you're like, oh, little girl creepy. No, no thank you! <laughs> like, it's so weird. Like, just the trailer, I was like, ooh, weird. Spiders don't. I'm not going to. Yeah, don't, don't um, go for it. Oh, yeah. Dude. My, I don't do Morgan knows my feelings on horror movies because she keeps trying to get me to watch them. <laughs> yeah, I can't. No, Zach tried and I watched what's that really bad video game horror movie with Frankie Muniz. Uh, oh, the one about the video game? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Where you, if you die, the tagline is if you die in the video game, you, you die, die for real. real. Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Oh, it's terrible. I was terrified of it. I was absolutely, I slept with the light on. It scared me. I was, I can't, I cannot do horror movies. I can do psychological thrillers. Like, I was okay with Shutter Island. I did Cabin in the Woods. But one of my favorites is Hide and Seek. I love that movie. Movie's really good. I cannot do anything that is even vaguely scary. I can't do jump scares. I've threatened to punch people in the face before at, like, haunted house things. And they're like, well, you're not allowed to do that. And I'm like... I'm just letting you know what's going to happen. What you want to do with that information is up to you. You know, fight, flight, and freeze. I will fight. I will fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will fight you. Uh, I might be 130 pounds soaking wet, but I will fight you. If you come near me, you weird demon looking thing. No. I can't do horror. I, I only will watch, like, demon movies because they seem so oh, far. I, I, I love those. Like, so, like Constantine? Par- oh, I, I haven't seen Constantine. that one. But, like, Paranormal Activity, <sighs> I really enjoyed the first one that. of that. I thought it was great. It doesn't matter. And so then, but then I have a weird thing. So, like, I have ASMR. I get the ASMR response. 
I don't get it to normal things like other people do. I get it to paranormal things. So watching shows about people talking about like their ghost encounters will trigger ASMR for me, which is the weirdest thing. I've never heard of anybody else having a weird trigger like this, but that's what my trigger is. So like thinking about Ouija boards and like, I'm thinking it right now, uh, like stuff like that battle trigger my ASMR. So I love watching those shows, but I can't do the ones that where the reenactments are too realistic because then I'm like, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I can't. I can barely do American Horror Story. I have to watch it in the daytime. The lights are on. I think though, like the old Universal Horror, um, like Frankenstein, Dracula, oh, yeah. Wolfman, all of those, those, they're they're so good. Mm-hmm. And like the horror of them now, because of like just like our distance, I think in history, mm-hmm. it has kind of dispelled. But they're still so good. Yeah. And they're a great way for, like, if you don't want to watch, like, icky, yucky stuff, but you want to, like, think about monsters and, like, think about, like, horror questions. They're great. Yeah. I've been really enjoying the new Sabrina, which is still very creepy, but it's good. They're going through different kinds of, like, mythos, and it's really interesting. Because it starts off with just, like, witch Wiccan-type things, and then they moved on to, like some weird, like, hell stuff, and then they did some, like, Greco-Roman stuff, and now they're doing Cthulhu stuff, and I'm like, this is neat! How are we weaving all these things together? I'm very interested! Like, it was just really neat, but it does. The first season is creepy. There were a couple times where I was like, we might have to be done after this one. (laughs) I might need to take a break. I'll usually do a palate cleanser of, like, Bob's Burgers or something like that when I watch something that's a little too creepy for Mm -hmm. me, and I'm like... (laughs) need a cartoon. I did something that I'm not going to have to think. <laughs> right. Talk about Bob. some great fandom. Bob's Burgers oh, yeah. is where Bob's it Burgers. is at. I have the like full like record set of all the music. Nice. Oh, nice. And so sometimes I'll just sit down and listen to all of the music of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Next I love time the, is it the Thanksgiving over. song? That she sings, that Linda sings? Is it about Thanksgiving? Thanking you, thanking me. Yes, it's so funny. The whole world's thanking, the whole world's thanking you. (laughs) (laughs) I like Bob's Burgers. I haven't seen all of it, but I didn't, I've enjoyed the ones that I've watched. I love that show because you can watch it from start to finish, like episode one to whatever it is that they're on now. And there's, there is a a through line. Yeah, there's a through line. You can just pick up random episodes, and, and I love shows like that because it it allows me to just kind of like, eh, I feel like watching this episode right now, or let's see what's the most recent one, and I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Yeah. I just like that they took that genre of like adult cartoons away from the like Family Guy, yes. um, American Dad genre, where it was just starting to get more and more and more and more outrageous, and like, ha, we make every fun of everybody, so we make fun of nobody, and it's fine. Yeah, like, the shock value. Type yeah, thing. the shock value stuff. I just it gets old really really quick for me and so i i was just glad to see a cartoon come out that was for adults and funny and fun but didn't have to have that kind of like shock value but then the voice actor does archer which is also just the first couple of seasons of archer were like believably fine and then they they went way off into left field (laughs) I think that's actually partially related to, like, the history of animation Mm -hmm. and how animation, like comics in a lot of ways, have um, been perceived by, like, mainstream culture as being childish. Yeah. And so even when you had animation that was, like, targeted for adults, people still perceived it as being, like, childish. Um, That's, you know, in comics that can be a problem, too, when um, people give their very young, um, new readers a comic book like Mouse which is mm. very much not for children. Or Deadpool? 
or Deadpool. People are um, like, oh, it's a comic, it's a superhero movie. You can read this comic, and you're like, mm, it's not a comic for kids. Yeah. So I think that those shows, like you're talking about, like Family Guy, South Park, part of the reason why they went to this extreme is because they were really trying to dig into like animation can be for adults. Yeah. Which I think is really valuable. But also then on the other hand, then you have the split. Like animation is either like perverse in all these ways and extreme or it's okay for children instead of kind of looking at it as a genre question. Right. In the same way that you would for comics. Yeah. And we're starting to get some uh, animation, uh, some cartoons. Netflix is doing a lot of stuff where it kind of bridges that gap between it being a child, a kid's show and Mm -hmm. also for adults like Dragon Prince, uh, which is so good. I was talking about that at work last uh, night. The new like, one oh. is Kipo of the Wilderbeasts. I haven't seen that yeah, one yet. We one hundred percent. Watch Kipo. It is so good. I it watched so uh, Mune. That was really yeah. good. Like and the, and I, I really enjoyed that because then I can sit with my kids and I can watch these shows and I get a lot out of it. It's still kid friendly. They still get a lot out of it. But it also brings up stuff, especially with Kipo, with uh, gender and um, sexuality and stuff like that. But in a kid friendly way. And it shows it, and it just becomes part of the universe. Mm -hmm. So they accept it easier, and it's just how it is. And it brings it up, and we can talk about it. Netflix does a lot of bad things, but they've been doing some great shows lately. They've really been bringing some voices and some characterization to the forefront that we don't get on... Just cable. Mainstream cable, yeah. Yeah. They should pay their taxes. (laughs) Yeah, but... (laughs) Yeah, well... They should be nicer to their creators, but they are producing some nice content. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's that weird balancing act that you got to do with things there sometimes. There is no ethical consuming in capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> so when we started doing this podcast, something that the three of us had talked about was the universal icky mm-hmm. interactions in geek culture that we as females have had. And we haven't actually gotten a chance to really discuss any of that on we've been, mic. We've been staying very lighthearted because other things in life have not been lighthearted lately. Right. We don't rough. want our other content to also suck. Right. <laughs> Everything sucks. That being said, though, I do think it's important that we discuss it because otherwise, you I mean, agree. our whole thing is that you're not alone. And so being four females in a room, I'm sure we all have stories of going places and being like, okay, you could talk to my husband or you could talk to me since I'm the one who's actually here to buy the things yep. mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. So have you had any instances of that or anything that comes to mind? I'm sure that it'd be even more uniquely interesting in your field of study. Well, I, my most toxic interactions were with video game communities. As a, a person who identifies as a woman, I, I had to stop when I was in college and the Gears of War games first started coming out. First of all, I love those games. Wow. But I used to go online. That was when the, like online was a really huge thing. Unlike what like, it's now this other weird giant universe. But yeah. mm-hmm. um, I used to go on and play like horde mode on online. And part of it is like you can be on teams. And so you get you know, you're on your headsets, like coordinating with other people. And I had to stop wearing my headset altogether because people would say lots of very offensive and highly sexualized things to me and about me simply because my voice sounded feminine. And I stopped playing online altogether because I just couldn't, I did not want to put up with that, especially in an environment where I was like just having fun. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, at that time, I, you know, I would play video games when I was, like, done with my work for the day. And, you know, like, I don't want to deal with bullshit no. in my, like, fun environment. Right. And so the nice thing about video games is that, you know, there are great communities and you can find great people to play with. Um, but also, if you want to play by yourself, 
you can play by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's maybe part of the reason why I'm back on PlayStation 2 playing yeah. Kingdom, the original <laughs> Kingdom Hearts right now. Because no one is going to, you know, no one's yeah. going to say anything to me about playing those games. Because you literally can't even connect it to the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big reason why I fell off of video games as well is I, I like dipped my toe into that world and was like, no, like I didn't even get very far into it and just couldn't. And it's sad because there's a lot of MMOs that have come out recently that I'm like, ooh, like there's an MMO out right now called Temtem uh, that I'm super interested in because it seems very similar to Pokemon, but it's an MMO. It's, it's a big open world. Um, and it, from what I have seen, and people can correct me if I'm wrong and please do, there is no like single player mode. It is MMO. You're supposed to interact with people and that's the way that the game is supposed to be played. And I'm like, I just don't know. I don't know if I want to subject myself to the potential toxicity of a community that can happen. All communities have some sort of toxic element. And it's like, it's balancing. Do I want to interact with this universe and potentially deal with that? Or do I stick to things that I know that I can play by myself and get the same experience from? So yeah, I I can definitely empathize with that. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. What I think is interesting is uh, my husband plays Destiny and Destiny 2 a lot. The characters that he built are... Um, are female. He built female characters because you can choose male characters or female. He built female characters because he liked the skins and the different things that he, he could do with those characters. So it's really funny. A lot of times he'll get on and he has a really deep male voice. So he gets on and he's a female character and, you know, people start saying stuff to him and he'll go like, hey, and they'll be like, oh, oh, never. I'm sorry. And like, they'll apologize to him for saying these very sexualized and very like hurtful things. As soon as that deep veil voice comes over, they're like, oh, Sorry, man, you know, but it's just because he has that female based character on screen. I don't play video games very often. And if I do, they're just like phone games because <laughs> that's just where I'm at right now. But I've definitely had um, instances where like you go to a comic shop and as you know, it's preteen and a teenager. I went to comic shops a lot and you could see the pe- the guy behind the counter would like not even really look at you. They would look over you or um, I got directed to um, the anime section all the mm-hmm. time. Like, oh, you're a female. You must want this anime mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I'm like, no, I don't know. I'm here for the X-Men comics. <laughs> like, you don't understand. I need the new issue. <laughs> you don't get it. And uh, yeah. And then, but if I'd go in like with my current boyfriend or whatever, we'd get talked to right away and it, they he would get talked to and not me. Mm-hmm. And that happened a lot. Yeah. Um, and now if I go to a comic store with my kids, it's, they direct me right to the kids section. And I'm like, no, they're following me. <laughs> We're not here for them. We're here for me right now. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're, do- you're doing. There's a, there's been some times I've gone into game stores with Rick mm-hmm. and we will go in and like, he'll want certain minis to paint or whatever, but I want to get, I want to check out what the most, the newest like D&D module is, or I, I have like questions or things that I'm looking for. And they will only help him and like only really pay attention to him. And then when I start asking questions or something, they'll like still address him. And I'm like, I am right here. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one who's going to be spending more money than he is. He's going to spend $10 on some minis. No, that's and- me and Zach. And I'm 100% going to be looking at a $60 book. You really want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. And it's just like, it's so frustrating sometimes. Because it's just the, just 
that that kind of feel of like just being looked over based on gender is just so stupid. Mm-hmm. You know. Meanwhile, I ha- there's another game store I go to that like I go in and they almost never talk to Rick because Rick's a quiet dude. Like you know. Whereas I'm always talking with the the guys that own the place and I'm always you know chatting with them and just like hey yeah have you seen this that or the other and you know and like they've gotten to a point where they recognize me mm-hmm. and so we will talk. Yeah. And I'd much rather, like, there are days I'm like, okay, I could go buy magic cards at this place, or I could go to the other place. I don't feel like being talked down to, so I'm going to go over here, even though it's a further drive, because it's a less toxic place. I'm very lucky that I work at an amazing, friendly local game store, and so I can get all of my board games and minis and things. I can just have them order them for me, (laughs) because I work there. So I'm just like, I'm adding this to the order. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I don't have to deal with that as much, but I've definitely... I remember one time specifically, I went into a comic shop, and I was was there to buy a statue, which if anybody (laughs) collects comic statues, they are expensive. I was there to buy one for my husband for Christmas, anniversary, something. I don't know. But the guy behind the counter was basically, like, berating me. Like, why are you here? Who got you into comics? Because obviously you can't be into comics. Like, obviously your your husband or your boyfriend or your brother or somebody had to get you into it. And I was like, first off, why the fuck do you care why I'm into comics? Like, why why do you need this information to help me find this specific statue? Like, I knew exactly what character I wanted. Like, all I wanted was for him to direct me to the statues. That's all I needed from him. And instead, I got, like, berated about why I was in the store. And I was just like, I'm going to go and not spend $450 at your establishment. And I ended up going somewhere else and getting something else instead. But I was just like, it's stuff like that, being a woman that you run into, that you're just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm here to spend money. Why is my money any less green? Yeah. Because I look like a woman. I think, too, like... I. I think this is true of a lot of popular culture, but um, in comics, there's just so much gatekeeping that happens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of if someone perceives you as being um, as not being an expert, for whatever reason, that could be your gender, that could be any sort of part of your even aesthetic presentation, right? Even just like how you look physically, Mm -hmm. then they take that as a as an excuse to kind of give you like the quiz, right? Well, how much do you really know about the thing? So like, oh, well, have you read X comic? Do you know this series? Well, have, what about this exact issue of this um, this run? What was the first appearance of this one small minor character in this comic that's been going for 40 years? Yeah. yeah. And what? it's it's so toxic and shitty. And unfortunately, like, it, academia does that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so as a PhD student, a lot of the time I already feel imposter syndrome, right? I already am convinced all of the time that I don't know shit about shit. That actually means that you know shit about shit. <laughs> there is there is a, I forget what the name of it is, but there's literally a theory that like, if you think that you know what you're doing, you have no idea what you're doing. But if you think that you don't know what you're doing, you're usually doing a good job. Well, it's comforting to hear that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I take comfort in that every time I hear it. They say it a lot on Oh No, Ross and Carrie, and I'm always like, thank you. Thank you for reminding me about this. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so there's already, like, I'm already often feeling like I don't know enough, I haven't read enough, I haven't done the history, I don't haven't been in the archives, I haven't done all of this, like, extra stuff. And so having academia, which is this place where also people like to show off their knowledge in a lot of different ways. And, you know, there's lots of amazing people in academia, but there's a lot of 
toxic culture there too. Mm-hmm. Have you read this theorist? Do you know this philosopher? Have you, well, what about this theory of thinking or of time or whatever? And so having like that side of it in my personal experience, meeting with some of the toxicity of comics culture, it sometimes feels like gatekeeping is just like everywhere mm-hmm. that I am. And part of my personal like research and work is about like making spaces more accessible for um, people of all genders, all races, all class backgrounds, because so much of this has been blocked off for a very specific type of reader or specific Mm. type of academic. And so, you know, pushing out like comics, for example, that um, are written by women and written by like non-binary or queer creators or creators of color, Mm. um, like just making those things available kind of breaks down some of the gatekeeping yeah, yeah. and i think that can be true for like all types of like fan culture right in video games you have something like animal crossing right which is like taking the world by storm mm-hmm. in like the most loving way yeah and so like how can anybody be a gatekeeper about animal crossing but they are i mean well that's true there's gatekeepers everywhere yeah no it, but it's yeah, it's crazy. And the, the whole thing where people are like, well, girls don't play games, but then women play more mobile games than literally any other demographic that there possibly is. And it's like, well, that's not real gaming. Why? Why is my puzzle game on my phone any different than the puzzle game that you play on your screen? That doesn't, there's no different. But I think that what you're doing and trying to make everything more accessible and putting names out there of people who are of different communities and different colors and different genders and things like that and uh, different sexualities is the way that we move forward. And I think that that's awesome. And I think that's what we also strive to do on this podcast. Although sometimes we don't, I don't know, I don't know if we do the best or some of our episodes so far, we've we've kind of stuck to one thing, but we have lots of episodes coming out. I promise. <laughs> well, the other thing is that we are still a fledgling podcast. <laughs> we are a youngling in the podcast We're a wormling? Sphere. Yes. And we baby are, dragon? We yeah. are baby dragons. Worm? The worm. Weirm. 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 With the Y. Weirm. With the Y. Yeah. Anyways, we are a fairly new podcast, mm-hmm. and so we do need some time to kind of cut our teeth on stuff and be able to refine what it is that we we want to do. And I think that's what we've been doing the last couple well, months. And now we're starting to kind of hit a good stride where we can start doing yeah. what we wanted to do, where we can be like, okay, well, this is a safe place for people to be. This is a safe spot for someone to come and to experience fandom in a way that they can be included. And I think what you're doing is excellent, Morgan, in terms of trying to create space for people and allowing people of all genders, backgrounds, colors, anything and everything to have that space in something that has traditionally been a white male's hobby. Yeah, I think that's super cool, and was why I was so excited to have you on. Beyond that, I love you, and you know you're a super cool person. But it's just, yeah, I think we have a lot that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too that it's like it's important to always be striving to be better in literally everything that we do, right? Oh yeah. There's never going to be a time where you're like, well, I have finally mastered the, you know, representation of all of the different aspects of identity and we have solved it. Like that's never going to happen. No. (laughs) So, you know, all of the time trying to strive to be better. I mean, even as an academic, all of the time I look back at things that I've worked on and I'm like, oh no, I didn't like address ability or disability here. Like when I really had an opportunity to to like talk about and think through this or I didn't, you know, when I had the opportunity, I did not include, you know, like a queer woman of color in this reading list. Like how could I have like missed that? 
Yeah. But just thinking forward and always thinking like, okay, I want to make sure that I include and I'm conscious of like all of these things that I care a lot about and want to support. But it is hard. I mean, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's why when when we talk about media that's been done, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, where we have to, you know, preface like this was made back in the 90s, or this was made in the early aughts, like not everybody was thinking this forward. So we have, it's not an excuse for that media to not do that stuff. But it does explain why they didn't because they haven't grown, they haven't seen where everything's going and been able to grow with it. So like you, you look at Avatar Last Airbender and what they did, and they did some amazing things and it's a great show but the same creators did dragon prince and they did so So much much better better because because of the time frame because they've learned and there's conversations about out there about color and gender spaces stuff like that because the original avatar was on On, a kids network whereas dragon prince is on netflix which is a lot more open to all kinds of things being yeah. shown and done and, and represented. And I think there's something to be said also for allowing people to grow past their flaws. Mm-hmm. You know, being like we're talking about the creators of Avatar and Dragon Prince, you know, maybe they just didn't realize that they were missing something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so in the time yeah, or between they Avatar, or, right, between yeah. the time of Avatar and Dragon Prince, they've grown as humans and have learned that there are this, that, and the other that needs a voice. Yeah. Possibly. And well, possibly. We're speculate. Spe- speculating? speculating? Speculating. Using right. them as an example yeah. of right, possibility. Right, right. And I think that's super important to allow that space for people to, to grow mm-hmm. and continue to change. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I think that's why, like, um, you know, academia is thought of as this, like, you know, shitty white tower, right? That like is inaccessible <laughs> to everyone, which is, you know, one of the major problems. Sorry, the visual in my head for shitty white tower. Yeah, no, it was oh, good. Yeah. It was very good. Yeah. I got like, it too. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Just like talking about these things, asking these questions in all spheres, right? Like academia can do way better in thinking critically about like popular media and making accessible to people who are thinking about and consuming popular media. And so that's why things like this podcast are so important because talking about these issues, asking these questions, pointing to poor representations and, you know, celebrating strong representations are important because they actually, you know, you actually have more influence as a consumer, as a pop culture lover, as a fan than you maybe sometimes really realize. And so putting pressure on the things that you want to be better is a really integral way of making it better and making it expand. Yeah, for sure. So I know that you had stuff that you wanted to, to plug and tell us about. Plug what you got. Yes. Please and thank you. So speaking of um, people who are making incredible accessible spaces that are celebrating um, groups that maybe um, are often marginalized by especially comics, but in general, media, popular culture, our actual structure of our society. Um, <laughs> here in Columbus, there's a really um, amazing group of people who are working on a local con called SoulCon. And this con is specifically um, geared towards creators of color. It's the this year their um, their like uh, subtitle, I guess you could say, is um, SoulCon 2020 for Black, Brown, and Indigenous Creators. Oh, that's awesome. And cool. um, that's going to be happening this year, September 10th through 12th, 2020. And um, that application for creators is will be open until August 1st. And so that's a space here in Columbus where the amazing people who are working for this organization and to make this event happen are really trying hard to literally create the space and push forward and make visible these incredible creators. Yeah, so this is an annual event. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so you can keep looking for it every year. 
yeah, there's some really great people working on it. And they're all, most of them are based out of um, Ohio State University as well. Caitlin Marisol Sweeney is an incredible um, scholar who's working very hard to make this event accessible and to um, support creators. And um, her scholarship does the same. So it's really cool to see kind of a scholar who is working to create a practical application of the things that she really wants to support and, be- and really truly believes in. Cool. Awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah. What else you got for us? Anything else? So um, the other thing that I do want to um, share with your listeners uh, is that at Ohio State University, there's this incredible collection and museum called the Billy Ireland. And the Billy Ireland Cartoon Museum and Library is the world's largest public collection of comics materials. And it is completely open to the public. Ooh. Oh, cool. They, um, they have amazing things there. And anyone can come and look at them. They have a free museum that is open in the afternoons. And then they have a reading room that's open um, like all day, um, six days a week. And you can go in there and see original Calvin and Hobbes. You can see um, original Crazy Cat. Windsor McKay pages. You can see um, the incredible work of Jackie Orms, who is one of the first um, African-American women cartoonists to be syndicated. They have incredible materials. They have um, letters. They have papers. They have um, original art. They have, like, they have it all. They have uh, books that you can just go in and read. And so um, they do a lot to make this content truly accessible to anybody who's interested. And for all of my fellow graduate students and researchers out there, they actually do a lot to um, try to bring scholars to the Billy Ireland to use it as a resource. So they have grants and scholarships that you can apply for to get the funds to actually travel to Columbus and spend time with these sources. That's awesome. That's, That's really cool. super cool. I didn't know that was here. I didn't neither. I. I was like, oh, there's a museum? I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome for you to take your kids, too. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. And they, really they cool. have um, rotating exhibits. They have events all of the time. Yeah. They have workshops. And it, truly, it is one of the reasons why I came um, to work at the university that I'm working at, because I can spend my time, you know, hanging around with these original materials. And when I teach, I take my students to the, um, to the reading room and to the galleries, and they get to spend some time looking at cool stuff that is, um, you know, one of a kind. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's super cool. I know that your partner has a webcomic that he does. Oh, yes. You should probably plug that because I think he'd be super thrilled if you did. So <laughs> my partner is G.S. Baldridge. He is a um, primary school teacher and he does a comics strip called Teach, spelled T-E-E-C-H, that is about experience, his experiences in the classroom, and he really sees it as a space to advocate for children and to give them voices and spaces that they normally wouldn't have. He truly believes in children's ability to communicate um, and to tell their own stories, and so he really loves capturing their sometimes incredible, sometimes heartbreaking and difficult stories um, and sharing them with people who might not have um, that access to that kind of information or, you know, just need to think a little bit differently about kiddo minds. Um, but they're often very funny. And um, you can find his comics online at teachcartoon.tumblr.com. You can also follow him on Instagram and on Twitter at teachcartoon. Again, that's T-E-E-C-H. A little bit of a misspelling, but on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> They're also really funny. They're so good. <laughs> I've read quite a few of them, and they're delightful. Yeah. yeah. No, I, he started, uh, he showed them to me early when we we, he, we first were hanging out, and man, they're really they good. are so it's funny. So, <laughs> so funny. Yeah. But definitely. All right, cool. So that's where we can find uh, your partner and his work. 
Where can we find you? So I uh, recently abandoned Facebook. Yeah, me too. It feels incredible. Yeah, it's really nice. Liberating. It's great. Um, But you can find me on Twitter at Morgan Pedreza. And I'm also on Instagram at Morgan Pedreza. And through the Ohio State University website, you can also look (laughs) at my stupid face and read read about my research there. Beautiful face. Don't even start. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Well, if you wanted to find us as well for the podcast, you can reach us at our email for anything that we may have missed or you want to just talk with us, whatever it may be. You can reach us at femfandompod at gmail.com. If you wanted to find us on Twitter, we are at femfandompod on, on the Twitters. And Megan, where can we find you? You can follow me, Megan, at Callie Rome. You can get me, Fern, at Fern Fandom. You can follow our producer, Rick, at Rick J. Lackey. And you can follow me, Kate, at Geekery and Coffee. She's also our wonderful editor, and we love her so much. And she does so much work, and it's great. Well, you know, I try. But please, 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 if you don't mind, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever it is that you get this podcast. It would make us so happy. And any five-star reviews we get, we're going to read on mic. So you get to hear your fun name and your fun words. Yeah, and we won't bleep anything. Nothing. Because I cuss a lot anyway on this podcast, so we might as well let you do it too. True dad. (laughs) Yo. Thanks so much for joining us, Morgan. It was so fun to have you. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. It's just such a pleasure to talk with you about cool stuff that I love, but also to listen to you and always listen to your podcast and hear you talking about stuff that I love also. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Well, hopefully we will be able to have you back soon. Yes. Uh, Because you are a lot Hi, everyone. I have dogs. They bark sometimes. Uh, yeah, that's what you hear in the background. I'm sorry. They're cute. I'll post pictures. Okay. <laughs> it, it's it's fun to have you here. You are very fun to talk with and discuss all the things geek and feminist. All right. I think that's it for us today. Yeah. Just remember, no matter what the fandom, you are not alone. Bye. Bye. Oh, does that say bye now? Oh, I don't know. She just waved at me like I was supposed well, to say something you stupid. Say, usually you say bye, and then I say bye. <laughs> and then and then, and then just we just pop it. into yeah, it's the music. But you didn't do the thing, so I'm I just sorry. Bye. You just like waved at me like do something. Say, say, say something. Bye. Say bye. All day, every day. <laughs> <laughs>